Viral pandemic takes over year 2020. Everyone hardest hit, but especially the recreation economy. Well, now that you are likely struggling with work, school, and all the rest of it, how is your recreation going, especially your reading? Are you able to even get into books uh, now that you're worried maybe about whether or not your kids are going back to school? And how can an outreach like ours, devoted to finding the best Christian fantasy, fare in these uncertain times, TM? This is Fantastical Truth, the podcast from Lorehaven, and in said podcast, we find the best of Christian fantasy, and we apply the truth, the goodness, the awesomeness in these stories to the real world that our creator, Jesus Christ, calls us to serve. I am Stephen, and I publish Lorehaven. I'm also the co-author of the new nonfiction resource, The Pop Culture Parent, along with Ted Turneau and Jared Moore. And I'm Zachary Russell otherwise known as Zach, otherwise known as the producer of this podcast. And this is episode 34. How has Lorehaven been questing through the great 2020 pandemic? Yes, indeed. We shall, for now anyway, step back from some of our bigger topics and book explorations. We thought about tackling another big topic today. For example, there was a nasty debacle involving Netflix recently. That's a bit intense, and we were going to explore... Well, what do you think about boycotts? Uh, Should we burn our Harry Potter books if you think they've got witchcraft in them or something worse? What about the whole thing with the Mulan movie and China? You know, there's all kinds of those issues that we could explore, and perhaps we will in a future episode. Also, in a future episode, we might go back to that aliens topic. Audiences love aliens, and we can debate whether or not that uh, particular headline meant there really could be life in the atmosphere of Venus Which of those topics, by the way, would spark your interest? That's what I want to know, because we have a pile of themes we want to explore, and sometimes it's just difficult to determine which one comes next, especially if some trendy headline comes along and seems to rise to the top. So we'd love to hear from you which of those topics would interest you the most. You can, of course, email podcast at lorehaven.com or comment on the website or any of our various social media For now, though, we're going to actually talk just a bit about Lorehaven itself, what we at the Lorehaven.com star system have been doing to deal with the pandemic and how we've been finding time to read books and keep going as best we can, uh, even given the fact that we can't get out to events and uh, publish magazines as often as we would like to. But first, we are introducing a new segment today. It's called Stranger Than Fantastical Fiction. So this is where we're going to pull something from the news. Uh, It might be something you've heard about. Um, It might be something a little more obscure. It is absolutely true, but absolutely weird and fantastical. And so for today's story, there was a video, Stephen, the other day that I thought was a total fake. and, And so many other people did too. And so I found the, the original source for this. This was Defense Secretary Mark Esper speaking at the Air, Space, and Cyber Conference on September 16th, so just a few days ago as we record this. Meanwhile, in space, Moscow and Beijing have turned a once peaceful arena into a warfighting domain. They have weaponized space through killer satellites, directed energy weapons, and more in an effort to exploit our systems and chip away at our military advantage. And John Greenwald Jr. from the Black Vault found the original source, so credit to him. So Mark Esper in this talk says, quote, 
They have weaponized space through killer satellites, directed energy weapons, and more, end quote. So, holy cow, you guys thought that Space Force was a joke. <laughs> now we find out there are killer satellites and there are directed energy weapons above our heads floating around in orbit. So we are definitely getting the laser space war this year, perhaps. But what in the heck are killer satellites? Like, what is happening right now? Ho, ho, ho. What a comforting thing to know. <laughs> uh, Zach, when you said, meanwhile in space, listeners, can't you just close your eyes, use your imaginations, and see the little yellow box with the slanty edge at the top left corner of this panel right now? Meanwhile in space, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And then you see the guy, you know, at the platform, the energy or the defense uh, secretary talking about directed energy weapons and dadgum space lasers. Why not? Year 2020, everyone. Why don't we just give it all a hand? <laughs> now, you know, it, it, once you look into all this, it gets probably a little more boring. This is just satellite to satellite warfare, whatever. Yeah, it's probably just some invisible infrared signal where they're sending a data stream or something. But no. It's it's a Bond weapon. Like it's one of those things that the yes. Justice League has that they could accidentally unleash on the town. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a there was a movie. Uh, golly, back in the early two thousands or something. It was called Space Cowboys with Tommy Lee Jones, and it was all about this uh, defunct Russian satellite that poses this huge risk. And um, is it okay to give spoilers? Well, you don't want spoilers. Just hit the thirty second fast forward button right now. But what it turns out is this defunct satellite had nuclear missiles in it and it was going to malfunction and shoot all these missiles at the earth or something. And so they had to, all these old guys had to go up there because the satellite had this really old technology that all the new astronauts didn't know how to deal with, I guess, punch cards or something. This idea has been around for a while. Like what, what happens when space becomes a war fighting domain? And, you know, presumably you're thinking, oh, it's just satellite warfare but man think about how much our lives now depend on satellites you know now we got elon musk uh sending up these uh, starlink satellites that are apparently ruining astronomy and uh you know everything you know from your directions on your phone to your television signal to you know just communicating around the world e everything is increasingly becoming space-based but steven there are even some wilder theories about this and that the wild fires in california oh, are being no. started by these directed energy weapons oh, in orbit do we even want to give that credit <laughs> by repeating it here as we all know it was gender reveal parties haven't you kept up <laughs> kept up with the memes on gender reveal parties and possibly some arsonists and just some jerks running around and also some political issues and if you think we're getting into those about the state of california <laughs> No. Yeah. You, you can listen to a daily wire or something else about deforestation policies or whatever. But, uh, yeah, yeah that's not I mean, happening here. Pe people, the point is people are running wild with this, uh, what two sentence, uh, snippet from this, <laughs> this cyber conference, you know, everyone is like, bring on the space war or whatever. So that has been your stranger than fantastical fiction update. Yeah, let's have fun with these sorts of things, but of course, uh, keep it in uh, perspective and make sure we don't actually buy into fake news. If they put out some qualification or something, you know, just you catch up with it. I don't think we'll, we'll be obligated to have to come back to it here and make it boring.
Anywho, Zach, let's talk about Lorehaven now. Lorehaven is still going strong. Uh, Lorehaven.com is intending to be, if not already is, your exclusive source for finding the best of Christian fantasy. Lately, uh, if you're newer to Fantastical Truth, of course, this podcast is part of Lorehaven. We do reviews, we do articles, uh, we have the the original Speculative Faith blog, which originated in uh, 2006, I believe. And of course, uh, as of this year, we have Fantastical Truth, which is part of the Lorehaven Network, probably the newest part. Until uh, a few months ago, we also had a, an actual magazine we put out every quarter. By actual magazine, I mean a print product. We didn't mail it to people's houses because uh, that gets a bit uh, expensive, especially for a new magazine for an admittedly niche market. I mean, Christian-made fantasy, uh, y'all. It's uh, it's not uh, streaming television or sliced bread or something that's admittedly more popular, but still very, very welcomed by people who know that these kinds of stories not only exist, but can be amazing. Uh, this year, we did adjust, though. We have more articles online. We've been posting uh, from our backlog of reviews of these amazing novels. I think every day through this summer, and I think, uh, yeah, just a couple of days from now, by the, actually, by the time you listen to this, it, we will technically be into uh, the fall equinox. So those reviews will still be going, and basically daily, if you follow us on social media, you can see those, or you can go to lorehaven.com slash reviews. Uh, these come from those magazines that we were putting out every quarter uh, going back to 2018. Zach, have you seen any of those reviews? I'm just curious if you, like me, have been able to use those from our amazing volunteer review team to find any new, uniquely Christian-made fantasy, sci-fi, other fantastical genre novels. Oh, yeah. I, I love checking in with the Lorehaven Library because my kids are blowing through books like crazy. We, we've definitely loosened up like screen time rules during the pandemic, okay? Like, we're, we're not... Uh... And we're not kidding ourselves. We actually saw this hilarious thing the other day that said, you can choose screen time or screaming time. You know, that's that's your choice. Uh, so we, we choose some screen time. Like we're not um, totally locked down, but we we are trying to keep things balanced. And our, our kids just love books. And you so, can always have a book on the screen. That's the beautiful part go. about it. It doesn't need to be a choice between a screen. Screen doesn't mean TV <laughs> show or game. It, it can also mean book, even a picture oh, book. Yeah. The only thing you can't get on an e-reader uh, for they wouldn't would be only be able to get from a, a physical copy would be a pop-up book. And I'm, I imagine even someone is working on those. Your holographic e-reader is on the way. Oh yeah, that's that's what I was promised, right? But uh, yeah, we we don't consider Kindle reading, you know, screen time. It's just book time. So anyway, we we dive into the reviews all the time to find a good book for our kids that would match their interests and kind of their maturity level. So it's been an awesome resource for us. Well, what about you yourself? I, I will say that for me, at least until recently, and by recently I mean just within the past few weeks in September of 2020, I, despite being the uh, uh, distinguished publisher of Lorehaven Magazine have been doing very little reading. I've mostly had to do, well, Lorehaven stuff as well as just moving stuff. Because as, as you know, Zach, and now as you know, listeners, uh, my wife and I, and now the, uh, the two teenagers from the kind of a foster type situation who are moved in with us, we actually bought a house and we moved just a few streets away. So we get more space, including more office space. I'm working on trying to get in some bookshelves, but just by virtue of being able to think about that rather than being in a corner in my bedroom at the old place, I think, you know, I really do need to clear more time for reading. And yes, I can find the time if I really try. So I finished this amazing book of uh, C.S. Lewis uh, essays and short stories uh, just a few days ago. I'm going back and rereading some old favorites and 
then I'm going on a binge, uh, going to go into the Lorehaven reviews and find the kinds of books that we review that I think I would love. As you know, we try to review just the best books that our review team members can find. And we try to match those with the best type of readers who we think would enjoy these books most. If we don't like a book, we try not to review it. We would rather not be mean to a book that we don't like and realize that someone out there is going to like it. If it's a real book that's been published, that is in the fantasy genre, and that happens to be written by a professing Christian author. Yeah, I'll be honest, Stephen. My, my reading time is, it's getting better. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Well, it it's like not, I said earlier, the recreation yeah. economy has been hardest hit. And in recreate, I mean, if we're trying to survive with the, the kids in the house, you're not going to the school or the daycare or, or any of those adjustments we have to make kind of crowd yeah. into the, uh, the leisure time, which makes sense. Yeah, I, I've been trying this new discipline of just whenever I, I, I have books all throughout the house, okay? I, I have probably eight or 10 books I'm in the middle of just, just listener, just so you know, I am the distracted boyfriend, like in flesh. Okay. Like I start a ton of books. I start way too many books before I finish other ones. And and then I, and I read very slowly. And so I just, I've always got a book and in every room in the house, I've got a book that I've, I'm in the middle of, but, um, I, I've been trying this new exercise that when I walk into a new room, if I'm like in, in transition between different things throughout my day, I try to just sit down for a few minutes and I, my goal is like just 15 minutes, just pick up a book just start reading it. And it really helps me just calm down. There's so much going on in the news. It's just honestly making me really anxious. And, uh, you know, reading a book just helps kind of escape some of that. And in fact, at night, the other discipline I'm trying to do is stashing my, you know, my iPhone, my iPad in the room with my computer, turning everything off or putting everything on chargers and then retreating to the living room or my bedroom with a book. Or Kindle or whatever, but but not the internet. Yes, you know, we're all living our lives entirely online right now. It, it's not. It's no longer recreation. I'll just say that. Like so, social media, the the news, YouTube, even you know, it, it's no longer relaxing. It's just it amps you up so much more than even before it did. I hear a lot of people talking about this movie, Social Dilemma, which apparently is about how the all these algorithms are being gamed against us and just driving us mad. And is that so, on the streaming service that must not be named? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which I'll, I'll I'll watch it and get back to you about it since I know uh, that that's not a possibility for you now. But uh, anyway, it's uh, I, I've been getting back into books more because uh, I, I've just I've desperately needed to get away from the from the World Wide Web. It does cultivate the soul. All those little myths about how the the buzz of the the Twitters or this scrolling, like those do slowly rewire the brain. And if you pay attention, at least in my case, if I pay attention, I can feel my brain taking those little shortcuts. I'm sure a brain scientist would come up with some more scientific ways to describe that, but I can feel the connections being strengthened when I'm sitting down and reading a book, you know, whether it's on a device or a physical copy. But for me, there, there really is, I don't know if it's just my age or the way I was raised or whatever, there really is nothing like a physical copy. There's a texture, there's something incarnational about it to actually have the words on a physical page. And I especially love physical copies when it comes to fiction. I can read nonfiction all the time much more effectively on an electronic device, particularly if it's something with a lot of references, then you can just click and jump to the end note. 
I love it that Highlight way. Things. Yeah. yeah, I have not even seen the pop culture parent in the, uh, that's that's my book. I haven't even seen that in the digital version yet. I probably ought to just spring for it. They gave me plenty of uh, print copies, but I need to see if I can get the electronic version from Amazon and see what that looks like, especially with our EndNotes. I think that'd be great, uh, particularly with a dedicated device. I, I can't read stuff on my phone. It's got to be a tablet or a, um, uh, or a Kindle or, or something like that. Even the, you mentioned Zach, the um, and we need to move on here. I know, but you mentioned the value of the physical space. That's one of the blessings of the new house to which we've moved. Is uh, my wife's in my bedroom is is a little bit bigger, and there's actually kind of like a living area in there, and everyone has a different living situation. And if you're in an apartment or living with family or something, then you may not necessarily have that. But we've just decided to make that you know kind of a, a private recreation space and. We have a recliner I moved in there and I would just love just to be able to go, okay, this is the space for reading books, like mm-hmm. almost get legalistic about it. And I'm being, mm-hmm. uh, being facetious there, but what if I just decided this is the no phone chair, just read books in this chair. Like it's going to happen more readily than it would, uh, if, if we just decided to be so liberty minded about it that uh, that we're actually not practicing you you said the word discipline earlier Zach right. and that's what it takes uh, discipline of course the root word of discipleship so it's just training and that's part of the lorehaven mission too is just hoping to train people to not only find the best stories but to think about them in a biblical way and the articles from the magazine do that but of course we've been doing that for a lot longer before the lorehaven name ever came along at the uh, at the blog that was uh, known, still known as Speculative Faith, it's it's now speculativefaith.lorehaven.com. So it's it's a planetoid uh, circling around uh, the the Lorehaven name and platform is kind of the star at the center of it. And Zach, you've mentioned that that is how you found us. And I'm I'm trying to remember. I think you've mentioned this yes. before, even on the podcast, like how you found uh, Speculative Faith, how how we got together, discovered we were living in the same area. Now, what was the article that you looked for? Or how, how was it you found us? Yeah, so I, I believe it was uh, during one of the SpaceX launches. It may have been the one where he sent up the car. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they said, we're going to send this car and then we're going to put people on Mars and we've got all these plans. And and so I, I just started Googling questions about this. Like, I wonder what other Christians think about a Mars colony or just space exploration or, you know, the exoplanets have been in the news a lot because of the Kepler Space Telescope and finding all these supposed earth twins. And so I, I Googled something about all that and I ran across an article you'd written, Stephen, that said, will Christians colonize the cosmos? Oh, that's a great headline. I wish. I... <laughs> <laughs> I th- yeah, I guess I came up with that, but yeah, I'm, t- I'm trying to get better at those kind of soft clickbait headlines. So I'm really yeah. glad that one worked. Oh man, I, I ate it up and, um, you know, the, w- one of the things was this verse and, uh, I, I seek I've seen some discussion about like Isaiah 45, which says the Lord has made the earth to be inhabited. And so there's kind of this idea of, well, he didn't make Mars to be inhabited. And so, right. yeah, yeah. So you, you know, you go into that and, you know, there's a lot of history with that verse. People thought we'd never go to the moon. And, um, and so now we have, and then now we have people living in orbit. And so it's this, I actually, I think the question I had was, is Jesus going to come back before people go to Mars? Because, oh, that is so a future podcast discussion. Yeah. Because there's so, there's, that breaks the plot. That breaks the plot. Right. If Jesus comes back to Earth and there's people out there on Mars who yeah. aren't, I mean, the whole imagery of the second coming is exclusively Earth focused. And you've already got an issue with people living on the other side of the world. If Jesus comes back first 
to Jerusalem or the Mount of Olives or any of those places. And of course, uh, the Old Testament's constantly using imagery of God touching down on this mountain or that mountain. And in the 12th volume of the Left Behind series, and it ends up a bit of a mess because they're trying to synchronize all these prophecies and Jesus is going here and touching down and then he's going there and touching and he's just bouncing all over the place. So how much more complicated does it get if, uh, yeah, if people are off uh, off trying to colonize Mars? So anyway, future episodes. Sorry, I cut in there. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, it, that's a perfect uh, mention there, uh, left behind, because after that article about will Christians colonize the cosmos, I, I, I guess I clicked on your your author name or, or something, and I, I found you'd written an article that said uh, left behind is still kind of cool. And I thought, man, okay, this is what I'm here for. Because I, you know, I loved Left Behind when I was a college, uh, a college student. The Kurt Cameron movie came out, and I started reading all the uh, the ebooks before there were Kindles. It was this uh, Palm Pilot I had. He was an early adopter. That's right. Yeah, and so I read through the whole series, and you know, and I kind of gradually became less interested by the end. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, I still like this, but uh, you know, there's some things I don't like about it. I won't go into all that now, but the point is. I had read so many Christian hot takes about why this was a bad book series. And I'm like, no, I I don't really buy that either. There's something really good about it. And your article explored that about the things you, you still really loved about it, even though, you know, it's just, you've kind of moved beyond it now. And And it's funny that we're talking about this now because my oldest daughter is reading the left behind for teens or left behind for kids or whatever series that they uh it was like 43 or so novels that uh, 48 yes they made they made four of them per adult book so 48 times 12 or four times 12 is 48 yeah um my sister had those hey if she wants to borrow the dramatic audio edition uh, which condenses things still further uh, just let me know i I have all six of those collections well and now they've uh tyndale's repackaged those so there's like three or four of those per you know, 400 or so page book. Ah, okay. Uh, and it, now it's condensed down to like 12. But anyway, I, I love this spirit of spec faith that I saw in that article that you wrote about this series, which was, okay, you know, we're going to discern the things that we didn't quite agree with or didn't quite like, or, but at the same time, we're going to celebrate the awesome in this series. And I thought that's it. This is the community I want to be a part of. Because I do want to celebrate awesome Christian fiction. I don't want to just nitpick things. Like I, I just I don't really care for for nitpicking and just being a critic that just tears everything down. I, I want to be a geek a little bit, you know. I, I wanna I wanna be excited about these books, even if they're not perfect, because who else is writing this kind of stuff? Like I, I don't care if it's not a 10 out of 10 every time. I, I want to read these kind of books. And so I, I thought this is it. This this is the group I want to be a part of. And so hey, listener. If if you are feeling some of this too, if, if you want to geek out with us, th- you know, this is the place for you. As Stephen mentioned, th- this is not a huge community. You know, you're part of an exclusive community and, and you get to be that sort of ambassador to your friends and family members and community that say, hey, I know a place to go that has so many books writ- written from a Christian perspective about fantastical stories. You get to be the expert. You know, you get to be the resource to people. And so, hey, you're in the right place if you're hearing all this. Well, not only that, but it's, it, I mean, it's not just my articles. Like I was, I was kind of crowing over my headline earlier and realizing, uh, hey, it's been a few years since I wrote that. So I can look back on that and think, 
about it is if someone else wrote it and think, hey, that's really cool. Right now, for example, on Speculative Faith, uh, Travis Perry, I don't know how he finds the time, but he is writing this mega series exploring uh, racism from the perspective of a Christian fantastical fan. Uh, Travis does a lot of great work, and I urge you to go look at that series. It's it's pretty hard hitting, especially right now. And it's something that, you know, just represents one of those in-depth topics that we're trying to explore from that intersection of biblical faith and fantastical imagination. So sounds like I'm shilling, but Spec Faith actually precedes me. Several authors started it in the mid 2000s before I ever even caught up to the thing. And, and then I just volunteered myself onto it <laughs> back in the day after I met some of these writers at a writer's conference. Zach, I'm so glad you found us because without you, we wouldn't have this podcast, uh, which is now closing in on 40 episodes now. I think we're going to make it to the end of the year. I think we're going to have uh, 50 episodes by Christmas, which is uh, which is wonderful. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, we have so many ideas for those future discussions to explore. And I think just in this last segment, we've come up with a few more. Why the Left Behind series is actually still kind of awesome, for example. I mean, that needs to be, I think, a future episode based on based on those articles, because some of that's evergreen content. Um, I'll be sure to include some of these links, by the way, into uh, the show notes. Without focusing too much on Lorraine, of course, at least for me personally, now that we're doing podcasts and not just uh, you know articles and stuff, uh, I'm still doing uh, live streams uh, with uh, Realm Makers. They've been doing more live streams this year uh, using a platform called Crowdcast, and we'll include their link in the show notes as well. Uh, Zach, you've actually joined me for one or two of those. Uh, I would really love to do that again sometime. Uh, not sure if it'll be the next one, which is, uh, oh yeah, Thursday, September 24 is when we're going to have that. So if you're listening to this podcast on release day, Tuesday, September 22nd, just a couple days away at 8 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be talking about how can fantastical stories boost your Bible reading. So we've been talking about making time for reading fantasy, finding the most amazing books that you can find. Don't, of course, neglect God's most epic, fantastical narrative, which also happens to be true, the scriptures. And how can your being a fan of this genre actually help enhance your experience of exploring God's gospel narrative? Lord willing, next live stream, I'll have a better film set. Uh, Right now, you'll probably see a blank wall, maybe some boxes. But like I said, I'm still trying to get those bookshelves in. Uh, Thanks to the pandemic, Europe has been having a hard time making them. And then uh, Zach, off air earlier, you were mentioning uh, an interaction you had with uh, Steve Raza, who's a sci-fi and other multi-genre novelist in his own right and we're also blessed to have him running the Lorehaven book clubs group on facebook i've been hopping in and out of there mostly just watching it because uh, steve does such a great job overseeing uh the invitations for authors uh, whose books we've reviewed and they come in there to interact with fans occasionally do some giveaways share some behind the scenes and stuff uh, we'll include that link in the show notes too it's uh, just another way we try to interact with people long range and encourage that culture of reading the best books, even if we can't get together at events in person. Well, and another fun thing we've added is the Lorehaven store. Um, so we've gotten uh, a lot of really cool t-shirts and other sort of gifts designed. And hey, maybe that's a good uh, Christmas gift you can get for someone that's not too far away. Only three shopping months left, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, everything is just through Amazon right now, just to make it simple. We have the, uh, the the shirt that I, I've worn a lot, that I wear all the time, that says, uh, he made the stars also, which is, I, I just love that line from Genesis. It's like one of the most uh, 
It's one of the most subtle things. It's like, oh, by the way, God made the stars, you know, the billions of galaxies with billions of stars. Yeah, he just, he made this, you know, yeah, by the way. Footnote. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we've gotten uh, a, lot, a lot of great feedback on that shirt and some other shirts, like the book was better, you know, which is, hey, w- once we can all go to the movies again, that's a great shirt you can wear uh, to a movie. Steven, a big movie that's coming up that everyone is talking about right now is Dune. Dune. I knew you were going to say yeah. that. Did anyone else know he was going to say that? <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit I've not read the Dune book. I, I Okay, I, I haven't feel, either. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I was afraid it was going to be another one of the, oh, Steven, you haven't read Dune. Yes, and I also haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, and the first time I saw the original Star Wars trilogy was 2008, so sue me. I have on the T-shirt, uh, the Lord of T-shirt, he's not safe, but he's good. It's got an amazing lion silhouette there, of course, classic. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe reference. Uh, my other favorite is the quote from Francis Schaeffer. It's just very bold letters across the front. It says, quote, The Christian is the one whose imagination should fly beyond the stars. End quote. Verified Francis Schaeffer quote. This isn't one of those fake ones you see on the internet, along with fake C.S. Lewis, fake Abraham Lincoln, any of those <laughs> other fakers. Uh, amazing designs. And I, I can say that without self-aggrandizing because I didn't make them. Uh, our, our magazine cover designer, uh, JT Wynn, he, he made those for Christmas last year. So, of course, great Christmas gift items for yourself or for any of the other uh, Christian fans on your nice list. Uh, Lorehaven.com slash store. I really do sound like a shill here, but I've had my coffee and I'm enthusiastic about all these things. And now that I'm done with the move, I can kind of remember myself, hey, all this stuff is still out there, even if we can't do events. Yeah. And otherwise, I would just sit around and not read and complain about not being able to go to events and meet people and sign books and things. But yeah, three shopping months left. Uh, we can still have Christmas this year, right? The meteor is not going to hit us and we're not all going to die in an election cataclysm, are we? <laughs> we're still going to have Christmas. It's not always election, never Christmas. That's That, that would be just silly. Yeah, well, tell us about, Stephen, the print copies of Lorehaven, the magazine. You know, what what's uh, going on right now with those? Well, there aren't any physical print copies right now. I'll just I'll just be blunt about that. If people say Lorehaven magazine, uh, obviously, the first thought is, oh, this is something I can get in the mail. You know, classic, like my grandparents got Life magazine in the mail and used to get Reader's Digest in the mail or Time magazine in the mail. Like maybe they still send stuff in the mail. Uh, and that's great. But, but right now, uh, Lorehaven can't print issues because there's no events at which to distribute them. Uh, we've basically gone for now anyway into just being a webzine. Uh, you get the magazine. You still get all the same great content at the Lorehaven.com. But because we, we can't go to places and actually sell the copies of the magazine, uh, th- those are not yet available. You can blame the pandemic, of course. Uh, without that incentive, it's a little bit more difficult to put all of that content together into a print form because you know we're not just telling people oh put our magazine together for free and we'll pay you with exposure um that's ghastly i i don't even think that that's biblical and i try to be very upfront with anyone who wants to work with us is like you know we obviously can't pay you what a you know major magazine publisher would be able to pay but we're not going to pay you in exposure a little, little behind the scenes info there so the the um, 
Uh, the actual what is your phrase? Pe- people die of exposure? Uh, yeah, well, it's not mine, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. No, that's that actually, I say it's unbiblical, and that's because Scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, which is a very Bible way to say, you pay people what their labor is worth. Uh, you you do not uh, deny them what they are owed. So anyway, um, the actual result of that means that our last issue, the summer 2020 issue, is online only. And it looks like our fall 2020 issue, already in progress, will also be online only. Not sure about the winter issue or going into 2021. We will have to figure that out. Uh, but either way, um, even if we do print issues, it's, it's not like we mail them to your house. Uh, we don't have the, the retro kind of magazine subscription that may work for some legacy media, but not for a new magazine for uh, a comparatively niche interest of Christian, Christian-made fantasy uh, the costs are just too high to do something like that, and the readership would not support it. So if we do go back to printing, and you can still get some of our uh, back issues uh, that have already been laid out, you can get those at the, the lorehaven.com. Just click the, the webzine menu there, and you'll find the link there. Uh, I don't, you know, some, some folks really enjoy getting those print copies, so they just order them directly from the printer. But anybody can read any of the webzine content. It's all in not only you know, the PDFs uh, that we've put together for the the magazine, those are there uh, for those first nine issues right now. But any of those magazines can be read online. You know, all you need to do to get everything is just get that free uh, email subscription. And then you get the link. You get a little secret password that opens up all the content. And we're more easily able to interact with readers that way. You know, if we sent the magazine anywhere, we, we don't know what you think about it. No, we don't know what you like, what you don't like, you know, how it uh, blessed you, whether it helped you find the next great uh, book that you really enjoyed. And then there's another advantage to doing more stuff online, Zach, is we can work better to time our reviews with upcoming releases. Uh, as we keep doing this, we've been blessed to work though, not just with uh, you know, independent authors, uh, but some of the more major publishers, uh, like you know Enclave or Ravel or some of those folks. You know, they let us know in advance when their books are coming out. They give us copies, and then we, we work to try to get those reviews released before the book comes out. You know, it helps our readers to know what's coming, and it certainly helps them by by creating a little bit of a buzz if, if we liked the book. Uh, finally, of course, that, that fall 2020 issue, it's already in the works. I already have in hand a dozen or more reviews of the best new Christian fantastical novels we've found. We're going to have some new articles coming up and more, and you just uh, subscribe free at lorehaven.com, and you will be the one of the first folks notified when we have that issue available. Uh, looks like it's going to be in October 2020 when that releases. Okay, so you, you talked a little bit about events uh, coming up, like online events on Thursday nights uh, with Realmakers, but you know, w- what are the other events you're planning for this year and even looking way far ahead for 2021 You know, when we're supposedly all supposed to be back to normal, we've all gotten vaccinated or, or maybe not, or anyway, we, we're <laughs> things will probably be in a much better place next year. So what, what do you have planned for Lorehaven like, as like going to places or being part of things? I think in 2021, we need to have the superhero get the secret cure into the ventilation system for the planet. <laughs> he has to crawl through the tunnels and then you suddenly get to the central air supply. And then he just puts it in and suddenly it's all <laughs> distributed worldwide via the life support system before the doomsday device runs out. Right. Otherwise, yeah, it's so hard to plan. You, you you can't. And 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 then even, um, Zach, you mentioned a couple episodes ago uh, that uh, Tenet had released in theaters. It's not mm-hmm. doing well. And it's oh, not. It's it's not its fault. Even if the theaters open up, everyone's schedule has been shot all to pieces. You can't yeah. 
rely on whatever infrastructure you had before. It's like everyone has suddenly moved to another city and they don't know anyone. You don't know what the school schedule is, or if you do, then, you know, your kids are at home. Uh, you're the person you used to call to babysit your kids. So you could, you know, get out to the, the movie with, with your spouse. Like that's no longer happening. And someone would have gone to university who now isn't or vice versa. Like, yeah, everything is just, I mean, it's, it's all, it's all been fractured. So how to plan for live events? Well, I personally don't have any scheduled this year, uh, at least the rest of this year. You know that I, I did, uh, personally, I did a couple of writers conferences uh, this, this past summer, but they were virtual. Um, I spoke and mentored at two of those. Uh, SoCal Christian Writers Conference went virtual at the last minute. I'm really glad they did. Uh, they, I think for a while they were thinking they'd just have to cancel, but they, they didn't. Uh, I did two workshops there. Uh, one was about popular culture, of course, and the other was about uh, discerning fictional magic. Uh, and then uh, Zach, uh, we both went to the the Realmakers virtual conference. Mm -hmm. uh, Realmakers, great friends and allies on the, the writing and creative professional side of Christian or faith-based uh, fantasy fiction. I got to moderate the panel about uh, authors and how we react in a Christ-like way to cancel culture, especially when they're trying to cancel authors because of their books. Uh, you know, had some mentor conversations with folks. Uh, it was it was really cool. And I don't think they'll be doing that again next year. I hope not. I missed Realm Makers Live so bad. Yeah. Even though I loved the virtual event, we had a Discord server and everything, and it kind of made us all level up in terms of our internet proficiency you know everybody's willing to innovate a bit and try a new platform i think even real makers is uh, is moving to kind of this new um, a mighty networks uh, platform going forward so it'd be a great opportunity for christian authors to all join together uh in one space uh, rather than being more scattered uh, that can only be a good thing yeah, I am at this point where I'm like I either want to go back to in-person events or I want to level up the digital events and have virtual reality. Yeah. You know, have, have something just insane better than just like a Zoom call. But um yeah, I realize it may be a while for both of those to happen, but uh we'll see. Apparently the Oculus 2 is releasing soon. So yeah, we'll my younger brother, youngest brother did tell me about that, but I uh I don't want to walk around with a little crease on my head all the time anymore than I walk around <laughs> with a mask on my head all the time. This is going to be temporary. And by the way, quick rant, I cannot help but have to call on the, the, uh, the command of scripture to love your enemies when I hear people say, oh no, this is the new normal. We're all going to be wearing masks till we die. I think those folks are either doomsayers or just trying to get ahead of the trend so they can say that they predicted it and get the clout. I, I, I resent the idea that we're all going to be wearing masks forever and ever. Amen. No, I'll do it now. And until the threat is abated, but not till the rest of my life, I'm sorry, would be a prophet. The answer is no. Oh, see, I, I look at it like a more positive way. Like we're, we're going to have Boba Fett masks or a, or a stormtrooper mask or, you know, Mandalorian masks. That won't work because then along will come some wag and say that it doesn't actually have any health benefits, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. They're, they're going to take all the fun out of it. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an, I'm not an anti-mask conspiracy guy, uh, but I, I want to view temporary safety measures as temporary. And that's part of that is based on uh, my thoughts on popular culture. Like, I, I don't want to react to the world as if it's always some dangerous force trying to kill you. Any of those sheltering measures have to be seen as temporary until we find some way to 
resist or uh, become mature against that kind of threat. It's harmful to the human psyche to think that we can just dehumanize ourselves for that long. But anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that, but uh, that may be a future episode as well. And I admit there are definitely some dangerous areas that one can wind up. If you're only worried about your own identity and your own freedoms at the expense of your neighbor's legitimate health needs, then that also is a problem. Ah, I do hope we get that magic vaccine. I'm not convinced that we're just going to get it. Like, Zach, if you notice, people started using the direct article. When we get the vaccine, the vaccine, mm, like yeah. indirect article, you don't even know the thing exists. Did well, big, I mean, did there's, Bigfoot there's three take of them. it? Yeah. Oh, three, <laughs> right. Okay. Well, there's the Russian one, yeah. right? You know, and we've seen the meme running around. Or, well, yeah. <laughs> and I decided to uh, participate in this trial for the Russian vaccine, and I don't think I've seen any side effects. And then they post fake Russian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it is a weird. We, we are paying so much more attention to, you know, medical science, uh, the pharmaceutical companies, you know, medical trials than we ever have in our life, you know, and, and that's kind of the fascinating thing. Like for me, it's just, I'm a curious person. So I, I've really enjoyed just reading about how these things work. Of course, it's become politicized. I'm not going to go into that, but it is really interesting to look at how this whole process works. And I, I guess we'll see what, what happens in the next few months, but I, you know, I'm optimistic. I think, uh, we, we've been reading some stories from the Spanish flu. Okay. And, you know, cause a hundred years ago, pretty much no one that went through that is alive today, or at least that, that remembers going through that is alive today to tell us about it. I think there's been a couple of stories here and there, but my goodness, we are in an incredibly advanced era compared to other pandemics that have happened. Uh, I saw something by uh, Hans Fien, the uh, Lutheran satire guy. And he's like, look, you just look through history and there's always a pandemic, always a tyrant, always unrest, always war, always poverty. You know, it's like it, we this is nothing new. The, the new thing is that we have so many more resources to deal with this and so many other outlets. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have Zoom 100 years ago. They That's didn't true. have, uh, you know, just many of the things that we take for granted now. And it. To me, that was really calming in a way to say, okay, we, we can get through this because we've already gotten through this with a lot less. And it's, uh, it is kind of the norm when you look back in, in history. And so I think things will return to normal, but, but again, there is a new normal. You know, the thing I always think about though, Stephen, was that uh, Boston Marathon bombing uh, a number of years ago. Oh, uh, yes. Where they, uh, they, you know, that happened and then they, they figured out who the suspects were from the surveillance. And then they went on this massive manhunt and they locked down the entire city and they said, look, uh, you know, cause they, they've, they, okay. So the police will do this neighborhood to neighborhood. In fact, this has happened in a neighborhood, not too far away from me where they, they had a suspect who barricaded himself, you know, with weapons. And they said, okay, if, you, if you're the next door neighbor, get out. You know, or or if you're this far away, just stay home, like don't leave. And they you know, surrounded the place with just overwhelming force. Well, you know, Boston did that for the entire city because they knew these guys were super dangerous and didn't want anyone in the crossfire. And that lasted what a day or two. Um, and we had some friends living in Boston, some colleagues, and we were just really nervous about what's going to happen. And I remember at the time, everyone thinking, "Wait a minute, how can the government close down a city?" 
you know, for two days. It's just like, ha ha. If I could get in a time machine and just we talk to you people. Nothing <laughs> yet. Yeah. Try try two years. I think some, some would like that. And by the way, I think in Christian love, I think we ought not be too harsh about the people who say, well, maybe we need to lock down for two years. I think yeah. some people are, for lack of a better term, sheltered, whether they have the income or the trust fund or their house paid off or a nice job where they can stay from home and get their work done anyway and feel productive and connected right. with the rest of society. I think that people can say that and not have hostile, tyrannical motives. If I were, for example, a full-time author speaker just doing stuff on the internet, I might be tempted to do that too. Hey. I can just get the groceries delivered. I, I can have the people with the lesser careers who work at Amazon just bring me my stuff. And I mean, it. I would be kind of an elitist, yes, but not necessarily hostile, just kind of dumb. So maybe it helps to be kind to people who suggest that we can lock down not just a whole city for two days, but a whole country for uh, a couple of years. Like maybe they just need some... Uh, education. They need to pick up a book, a fantasy book, and realize that they can't stay in their shire the whole time. Uh, they have to go out on the road and realize how other people live. And the fact that some of us have to go outside the house, we have to go to factories or we have to go uh, to the plumbing workshop or we have to go to an office or something like that. And the kids have to go to school. You know, some of these folks, I think either they don't have kids or they forgot what it was like. So Anyway, maybe yeah. if they're staying home the whole time, though, hey, at least we can send them some Lorehaven webzines and uh, and get them some good books to read. Well, here's a reference for you. You know the you know the uh, Princess Bride and uh, Fazzini with the uh, poisoned uh, wine goblet says. Uh, uh, so we we know that scene if you've seen it. And uh, the the meme goes uh, clearly. I can't choose the back to school option in front of me, and I also can't choose the back to school option in front of you. You know that's that's where Naomi and I are right now with uh, you know some of these options. It, it just there's not a good option, and I and I think you have the right note here, Stephen. That we really have to extend grace. Uh, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of considerations not, with school, with work, with socializing, and look. I have my own opinions about things, but man, so much of the information has shifted. So much of my own feelings have shifted and everything. It's always in flux. And I think the best thing we can do is just have grace. I, man, I say very little about these issues anymore on social media because it just quickly becomes this argument people have. And I sort of made that mistake recently, but I, I think that the order of the day is grace because look, no one is in an easy uh, decision-making place, right? All of these decisions are impossible. And so we're just, everyone's just doing the best they can. And look, I sympathize with people that are like, I can't wear a mask anymore. And I sympathize with people that are like freaking out when there's around people without masks, you know, myself just being vulnerable, I'm, I'm high risk. And so I, I have to play it very, very safe. And, and it's not just for my sake, but for my family's sake, like I don't want something to happen to me and affect them. Um, but at the same time, look, I totally get it. I, I get why people are like, I just got to you know, go to a restaurant. I just got to go to a political rally or get on an airplane or whatever, go to the movies. And, um, you know, because you, you, the mind can only take so much of this. And it's funny because I, I've, I've seen this happen with extroverts and introverts, you know, the, the extroverts, that's obvious. It's like, I got to be around people. Like I'm just going crazy all by myself. And the introverts are like, I'm going crazy with these same people around me all the time that are going crazy. And so, 
you know, lo- looking ahead to where, you know, we're are going to go as Lorehaven, man, I can't wait for the meetups, for the conferences, for the get togethers and m- maybe book clubs are going to come back. You know, who knows? You know, we joke about that, that uh, book clubs are dead, but maybe that's going to make a comeback. Like, what do you think listener? You know, are you going to start a book club? Is this, is this where you're headed? You know, let us know. But, um, so Steven, do you, do you see book clubs coming back? I would love for book clubs to come back, especially if we're all going to turn into quasi retired persons, uh, sitting around our houses, trying to work from home. Then that means we would have the freedom to set our own schedules and be our own boss. And that means please don't just sit around watching streaming media, especially because some of it is not good for you. Anyway, if you've been paying attention to any of the latest outrages du jour, so start a book club or join a book club. If someone else has started one, Uh, of course, Lorehaven would love to help out with that. Either way, whenever we get on the road again and actually start going to events, I cannot wait just to have a booth in a public place with people coming up, whether they're wearing masks or no masks. And we assume that almost all of us have got the vaccine registered, uh, which may or may not actually happen. But, you know, fingers crossed and pray to the Lord that it does. Pray to the Lord that our scientists can be wise and fast. But if we can just get a Lorraine booth like it used to be, but even better because we're going to have copies of the pop culture parent there, the book, uh, along with the magazines. I see that happening. I also would like to think that in the future, we'd be able to have more resources that would do even more to help readers explore these themes for the glory of God. Anything that is at the intersection of these magical ley lines of biblical truth and fantastical fiction, if you'll excuse the slightly heathen metaphor there, that's where we want to be, uh, not just to sell stuff, <laughs> even though we may have sounded like that a bit in this episode, but as a service to God's people, to families and churches and anyone else uh, who is called to glorify God in all of our pursuits, including the pursuit of amazing and fantastical fiction. Okay, well, let's hear from our fantastic fans. So we got a listener email from Elizabeth, and she writes about our recent two-part series about the pop culture parent. And she says, quote, my parents were very strict growing up. I couldn't watch cartoons with magic. My Saturday morning started with chores first. I had to work as fast as possible so I could watch those morning cartoons. That usually meant I missed the magic theme ones like He-Man or Smurfs. So I grew up watching G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Gumby. Honestly, I'm happy with that because I hate fantasy, but I love sci-fi, end quote. Now, Stephen, let me just make a little reference here for <laughs> if you're a Zoomer listening to this, you know, you've probably heard people say this, but there wasn't always streaming media. You, you know, a, a show was on the time it was on and that was it. And if you if you didn't tune in at that exact moment, it was gone. It was you couldn't watch it ever again. And so, yeah, I totally relate to this about having to wake up at a certain time and, and be ready for it. For me, it was the X-Men. That was the show I loved to watch. And, and yeah, I, I loved watching He-Man and um, Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon, you know, which <laughs> that's a whole other topic. You know, Naomi and I have debated this whole question, Stephen. Do, do we let our kids wake up on Saturdays and watch cartoons or do we have them do chores first? Because if they do chores second, nah, they kind of drag their feet. But then again, we want to sleep in late. And so I'm, personally, I'm fine with them getting up and doing cartoons first. But this is always kind of a balancing act. Oh, that's what this whole uh, feedback is about. Uh, Elizabeth actually writes a longer comment. Uh, This is just the first part of it. So we're actually reading it in pieces to add some interaction and hopefully some uh, help as well. 
I actually didn't grow up watching these 80s cartoons or even the 90s cartoons like uh, X-Men. You switched decades there, I think. They must have been rerunning the He-Man and Smurfs at that point. As I think I've said before, most of the entertainment that I enjoyed growing up was Christian-made. A lot of different animated series and uh, musical tapes and such. A lot of VHS. See, I think back in the 80s, uh, VHS tapes were just coming out. So, yeah, you had to watch it on TV or it was gone for, as far as you knew, forever. At least until they reran it again. So I'm not familiar with these 80s cartoons, except for the fact that I got a hold of a book that my parents had, which is called Turmoil in the Toy Box. I think I've also mentioned that before, and that was a very cautionary book, we'll just say, uh, to be charitable. I don't know the author, and as far as I know, he had the best of intentions in mind, and it was an early example of a Christian attempt to engage popular culture, not just toys, but all the different uh, TV shows that accompanied the toys. In fact, as I remember, the author was uh, kind of surprised and uh, dealing uh, with this phenomenon of having toys connected to TV shows, which is a, a cultural thing that strikes us now as like, well, duh, of course, you get a toy <laughs> based on a movie or TV. Merchandising. Yes, which really did start with Star Wars and the old uh, yeah. Kenner action figure line, you know, back in the late 1970s. It, oh, was a, yeah. it used to be a new idea. And so seeing this example as a product of its time of a Christian trying to wrestle with these questions is fascinating. Uh, they even had a page in there where they just showed some clip art of like a dolly and a set of blocks and a jack-in-the-box. And, and then it just had a caption, remember when toys were toys? So mm. even though the book as a whole tried to be a little bit more discerning, uh, that there kind of gave away the game. Like, wait a minute, there's, there's some just tradition-based nostalgia going on here. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we just got back to the old days when toys were toys and they didn't have battle axes or a magic staff or any of the stuff that He-Man carried around? Anyway, I could go off on that. Uh, it's probably another topic for a future episode, but kind of listing my understanding there is that, you know, those 80s characters were the first engagement I had with popular culture, even though by the time I read this book, I think it was in the late 90s and I hardly saw any of these critters around very much. Well, Elizabeth continues by saying, quote, now that I'm a parent, I'm strict on what my kids watch, but it's more about language, visuals, and sexual content. I don't want inappropriate images to be burned into their brains. I don't want them to be flooded with bad language that they will end up attempting to use in everyday life. Wouldn't it be interesting to have this discussion with my mother in the past? The idea that the magic from Smurfs really isn't as bad as some of the junk they put into cartoons now, end quote. Oh, man. Yep. Uh, putting on my parent hat of young kids, this is definitely uh, this is definitely an ongoing discussion. Um, there's a new cartoon my kids have picked up where uh, they, they picked up on some potty humor, I'll just say, and we're like, oh, that's not great. So let's not repeat that. Okay, kids. And then, uh, and then they started, <laughs> my son started saying this. Well, I'm not going to repeat it, but he, I thought he was saying one word. This is he a was like, Christian podcast. You yes. can't repeat it. I, I, I don't have the uh, Babylon B uh, filter on my words here. Flower but, um, bed. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out it was just another word that my son was mispronouncing. And so I'm like, okay, all right. It's not as bad as I thought it was. It was just, uh, you know, his, uh, his four-year-old, you know, uh, linguistic skills, not quite, which I just stumbled over trying to, uh, his vocabulistic skills aren't like yours yeah. and mine. <laughs> this is the discussion that Naomi and I have all the time about, you know, what's the balance between keeping content away from our kids that we don't want them to be influenced by or repeat, but at the same time, 
as we said in our other episode, it's not the pixels that go into your eyeballs or the sound waves that go into your ears that cause you to be sinful. You know, sin comes from the heart. It comes from within you. Obviously, we're we're using our own interpretation, okay, where Jesus said it's not what goes in the stomach, but it's what comes out of the heart. But there is the very real sense that, you know, Jesus said, whoever teaches one of these little ones to sin, it's better to put a millstone around your neck and jump into the ocean. And there so, are people trying to teach little kids to sin. I mean, even in cartoons, yeah. uh, she mentions where it's funny that, the, you know, the Smurf magic, you know, kind of the 80s trope where some fuzzy character living in a forest, you know, reaches into a burlap sack and pulls out something that sparkles. You know, that's that's how they did magic in the 80s cartoon. Well, now you've got uh, paganism in the form of characters who claim to be either neither male nor female or both at once or one turned into the other. You know, I'm just going there. You know, it's the religion of sexual identity. And that's the heathenism that is very poisonous and that probably is, at least to me, I think, is the chief most threat to Christians and, and children in particular. However, even that can only go so far as the child has already been trained in the gospel to understand and deconstruct that worldview. A little kid can't do that. And so that calls for some measures that we might you know, term sheltering, you know, because they're going to imitate what they see because they don't know better. You know, maybe they're trying to sin or maybe they just think it sounded funny. You know, it depends on the heart of the child. Uh, and I guess, I guess my response here would be, you know, she, she says, uh, Elizabeth says, I'm strict on what my kids watch. Well, it depends on the ages of the kids. You know, if you have a four-year-old, right. yeah, you would need to be strict. Just like you, you know, don't let him around the open bottle of bleach. You know, he doesn't know what it's for. He might try to drink it. You know, don't leave out the box of matches. But a 12-year-old probably needs to start learning how to use things like matches or the proper application of bleach. And a 10-year-old shouldn't be driving in a car, but a 16, 17, 18-year-old needs to learn how to do that. It's the real world, and it's something that is necessary in order to get around and fulfill our function in society. So at some point, and this is what we try to do in um, the pop culture parent, you know, at some point, the, the sheltering and the, what you might call the strictness would need to ease off in, in some way, just bit by bit, as your kids get older and start asking questions. You know, it's not just the movie rating system that can help, but also just your discernment and working with other Christians, especially ones who've already been there and wisely using good Christian resources. It, there needs to be a transition plan from being sheltered to engaging with some of these ideas to eventually you know, greater independence. Because one of these days, you know, the kid will leave the house. And if they have not been, well, I won't say exposed, but they ha if they have not been trained to handle these worldviews and to understand them in light of the gospel and to see the false promises that these stories can make, good longings these stories can reflect, but they cannot fulfill their own promises. Uh, if you have a character who's you know, both male and female, you know, goes out with girls, goes out with boys, whatever, like that may work for a while according to the bluff that the cartoon makes but it won't work even in its own universe. And it especially won't work to fulfill that longing in this universe. Love does not equal sex. Love does not equal sex. What a lie. I could lecture about that. Another future episode topic, maybe, but only Christ can fulfill the good desire that the story can only gesture toward. And only Christ defines what love means and then answers that longing with the gospel. 
Yeah, and there's a whole host of other topics that come up besides just the rating system. You know, one thing Naomi and I talk about is what can our kids handle in terms of tragedy in a right. story? Yeah, she you mentions know, or, that here later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or about uh, horror or, you know, you know, scary elements or even um, romance elements because, hey, there's a whole host of things you got to consider with those uh, kinds of stories. And so, yeah, Elizabeth continues here by saying, quote, on the idea of popular culture, my son has had moments of almost anxiety, panic attacks, relates to the idea of popular culture. He believes in Jesus and salvation. Every day we have a Bible study and read the word. On Sundays, we've been hosting a Bible study in our home since our church is closed. His worry is about eternity. What will it be like? What about the video games he plays, the electronics he uses? What about the Marvel movies he enjoys? And then he starts thinking that he'll lose all of that. The idea of singing and worshiping forever and doing nothing else in heaven. Any panics? How can I help him? This has been an interesting discussion. Thank you. End quote. Oh, Zach, we've talked about this several times before, not just in the, the pop culture parent uh, duology episodes, but especially in our Epic Resurrection series this past spring 2020. We're over long here, maybe, but do go back and listen to those where I think we scratched the surface of trying to answer those questions. And uh, even in the book, we have uh, an appendix with some speculation about what will happen to popular culture in eternity. I guess it would depend. I, my, my thought would be, you know, what, what age is your son? You know, is he young enough, you know, where he's, he's still, you know, got some, you know, a lot of imagination, uh, reality confusion. And, you know, how much would you tell him about what uh, Jesus has promised in the scripture where he's not just going to you know, take everybody off to some alternate spiritoid place where we float around, but is actually going to renew creation. He's going to transform the universe by fire, judging sin in all sinners, but then renewing his cosmos, his creation forever and ever with himself as king, which includes not just natural wonders on earth, but the good parts of human culture, I would say. There's lots of little signs in scripture that human culture in some way will continue. Whether or not the Marvel movies continue or the specific video games or electronics, we cannot answer. But it might help to say, I mean, this is really an answer similar to hey, what happened to Fluffy. You know, if the, if the dog uh, you know, had to be put down or something, you know, will Fluffy go to heaven? Like, well, you know that everything good about the pet came from God because God only ever gives good gifts. Even if we think they look bad at the time, he is good. He can be trusted. He's holy. He's perfect. He loves us according to his definition, which is the only one God is love. Whatever he shows is by definition love. And if God is that good and he gave that good gift, then we can trust him whether or not the gift comes back. So I guess my personal thought would be, oh yeah, sure. You know, the Avengers are going to be in heaven. Like personally, I think there's no reason for Avengers movies not to be there, but maybe a small child doesn't quite need to know that. You know, maybe it needs to be very Jesus focused at that point. And then later on, or depending on the child's maturity level, you could say, you know, because God gave us the idea of making those kinds of stories, even if people who don't know Jesus make those stories, maybe those stories are still pretty good because Jesus is good. And who knows, maybe those stories will be in heaven. Maybe our dog will be in heaven, you know, which is to say new heavens and new earth. We don't know for sure, but we know that we can trust God. There's a verse that a friend shared with me way back in high school that I think about a lot, Stephen. It's Proverbs 10, 22, 
which says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Um, I, I've also heard it translated as like, um, he adds no trouble to it. Uh, the NIV says no painful toil for it. Um, I also like the CSB. It says, um, he adds no painful effort uh, to his blessings. So yeah, I, I think about that a lot with the gift he's given us with pop culture, with imagination, books and movies, video games, you know, everything that we enjoy nowadays with pop culture, it is originally a gift from him, human culture. And and God is not um, going to pull a bait and switch on us. And, and I don't exactly know what that's going to look like. Okay. In, in eternity, uh, we, we all have our speculations, but he's a generous God. He gives good gifts to us, you know, that we know how to give good gifts and we are, we are not as good and holy as him. And so we can trust that he is giving us goodness through his blessings beyond what we can imagine. And so I just kind of hold on to that. I I don't know how this is going to play out in the future, but to you, our listener, what do you think about these questions Elizabeth had? I'm I'm not trying to just uh, not answer them. I think we've given a pretty good answer, but hey, we want to hear from you. How do you navigate these questions? And then what are you reading right now? Uh, How are you making it through the pandemic, trying to get away from, you know, screen time or social media or just doom scrolling, which is my goodness. I, I can totally relate if you are a doom scroller. We can talk about that, but how are you engaging uh, your imagination? How are you engaging fantastical stories? You know, what's a great book you're reading? Let us know, podcast at lorehaven.com or comment about anything else we've talked about. We'd love to feature your feedback on a future episode, podcast at lorehaven.com. Next on Fantastical Truth, we're going to respond to something that surprised me when I was reading a book that I had not read a collection of C.S. Lewis short stories and essays, including the very famous ones about why he wrote and how he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Some Christians think that good authors must use anything like fairy tales or sci-fi and beyond as mere teaching tools for kids and other readers. We need to make you eat your peas of truth, so we're going to wrap it up in something sweet to make it go down easier. So goes the idea. But others, maybe in response to that tool approach, embrace what they would call creative freedom. And they say that authors like C.S. Lewis, for example, well, well, they just saw images. You know, they were just using their imaginations. And then once they embraced these images for their own sake, they got the story. And yeah, there's some Christian stuff in there. You know, Aslan is kind of like Jesus, but that just got in there naturally. You know, the best authors just let that get in there naturally and don't try. I actually think I've found that both of those sides are missing something. And technically, I think they're both wrong, especially when they talk about C.S. Lewis, because I read his essay and I realized something when usually happens when reading Lewis that I hadn't seen before. So this means a lot for Christian readers and Christian authors. And we're going to explore that, Lord willing, in our next episode. Meanwhile, Try to keep feeding your imagination during the pandemic and rely on good friends and great reviews, including ours, and any other trusted sources to seek the best stories by Christian creators and anyone else alike. While we resist the pandemic panic and seek and find fantastical truth, 